Eve asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of, of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Good morning. Let me start off by saying how beautiful it is when God's people sing together. I love it when I can't hear my voice. I love it when I can't hear even Andy sing. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, whether you can sing in tune or not, that's beside the point. Uh, the point is that the Lord has given a song in your heart. And this song expresses perhaps your love for him perhaps a hope that you find in him, perhaps you're suffering and you need to cry out to the Lord, whatever it may be, the Lord gives a song to our hearts to sing and praise him, praise him. I encourage you, you know, when you are having tough times reading scripture, when you're having tough times, perhaps even coming to the Lord, pick a hymn. Pick a song that we sing here and just sing it to the Lord. Just sing it to the Lord and allow the Lord to soften your heart. Um, I know many people who will sing before they pray because the songs will gently sort of soften them and their prayers become more heartfelt and genuine to the Lord. So I enjoy when I hear all of you sing. I, I feel as if God is preparing you to receive his word. I feel like God is preparing us to hear his very words and to bless us. So praise God for the songs that he has given to us. Today we, we, we've, we move on to the second sermon in our series, Save Me, O Lord. And it's entitled, Save Me, O Lord, because I want us to have that type of desire, helplessness, to speak directly to our Lord and Savior, to see him 
face to face, to look at him and to say to him, save me. We are not talking about a philosophy of Christian living and trying to apply principles to our daily lives. We are not trying to figure out how to make this church or organization run better or more flawlessly. But we're talking about people, God's people, encountering Jesus. And when they encounter him, the words out of their mouths are simply, save me, O Lord. Save me. Our passage today speaks of one person who did such a thing. And this woman, to me, and I think for all of us, represents a shameless type of love that we ourselves desire to have. And a shameless type of love that, believe it or not, Jesus receives with joy. Shame is a huge part in the Asian culture. We don't like to be exposed, whether for good or for bad. Uh, yesterday during our missions meeting, we, we went around and we, we tried to give each other compliments. And no one liked receiving compliments. We're like, please don't compliment us. It's like, I don't want you to reveal me, even for the good or for the bad. Just don't reveal me. Just tell me what I need to do. We see this in, in Asian entertainment as well. You, you watch dramas. If you watch like American dramas, you watch something like Gladiator, movies like that, you'll see someone like Maximus, who was the general of the army, the Roman army, and then he gets basically um, set up so that he would fall, and, and basically his family gets killed, and, and right after that's finished, the movie turns very quickly of how he rises. But you watch like a, an Asian drama, a historical drama, and there's that, always that scene Right where, where someone gets deposed, where someone who is high becomes low, or someone who is low is, is made known that they are low. And they're on their knees, right? And they're asking for mercy over and over and over again. And that scene, it's not just two minutes, right? It's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour long to expose the shame of their status, of where they have fallen from. This passage is a passage like that, where we see someone like us who is naked before all people and yet received from the Lord. Number one, this woman was a woman of ill repute in the city, prostitute, most likely well known amongst the people for what she has done and what she is doing. And someone 
who when he came to, when she went to Jesus, did not try to cover up her shame, but allowed it to be the full view of other people. This is something that even in our world today, the world understands. And we as Christians, we understand it as well. We understand how important it is to share with one another our struggles. And in fact, as the, even these last 20 years, as more and more things get revealed through internet, through social media, there's sort of less and less shame about the things that we do. Now there's good and, and bad to it. Um, even like 20 years ago, there was, there was huge shame if you were here and you weren't documented. It was huge shame. If you grew up in the, the Korean church, you would, you would understand the shame there was in that. Nowadays, we talk about it openly. And we talk about what can we do as a church? What, what can we do as, as people to, to address these situations? So there's, there's good things like that. But then there's the other aspect of it in our culture today. Is that all of a sudden, we're, we, we are not ashamed of, of anything. <laughs> We look at our entertainment world today. There is nothing that is not that is not taboo anymore. There's nothing. And we're not talking about we're talking about HBO. We're talking about Netflix. There's nothing that is not taboo. And so sin sort of reigns free there. But it's also affected us as well. Like this woman, many of us may have skeletons in our closet. And we have friends that we're able to sort of expose ourselves to. And we see that as sort of a way of of therapy for ourselves. Like, "Ah, this is who I am. This is what I do. Please simply validate what I am and what I do, even if it is against that which Christ has taught. I will say this, this, it's better than nothing. This woman was open about who she was. The world knew it. Everyone knew it. But where we, in the world, we do something a little bit different than this woman does. We look to one another for validation. We look to one another to be the priest that grants absolution to the way we live. And we have to be careful because there's no one here who can grant absolution to anyone else. God has given the church the beauty of fellowship and the beauty of brothers and sisters. Jesus does command us to confess our sins to one another. Jesus does command us to carry each other's burdens. Jesus does command us to be open with one another, to speak well of each other. 
And yet, if this is all we do, then we've missed the point. Shame for the sake of shame. Shame to normalize what we do. Shame simply to have other people understand us. It's not enough. It's not enough. So what does this woman do that's different than what the world does? That's different even with what we do. Even indifferent in such a way that brings healing, restoration, and joy. Two. In her shame, she turns to Jesus. She's not simply trying to expose her shamefulness to other people. She's exposing her shame towards Jesus. And what's beautiful about this picture is what? Is everyone is watching her. But she has simply one person that she wants to please. And that's Christ. The shamefulness of her life around her goes to the background as she focuses on the person who can restore her and love her. And all of a sudden, that which was shameful in her life becomes tertiary to loving the one who will receive her. Let's stop here for a second. You see, the Christian life and the life that God wants to give us is he wants to take away our guilt and our shame. And those, are two, those two are, are linked together, and we'll see that later on in this passage. But all too often, we, as God's people, we carry shame with us so much. Our past. Family shame. Disappointments. Failures. And we try, we, we say, okay, the church is a place where I can be open. And so we start sharing with people. But we get disappointed. We get disappointed, why? Because we believe God's people should grant us absolution. And God's people can't do that. People will disappoint But what this woman does is what we need to be doing. We expose our shame to Jesus who heals before the people of God that all together we may rejoice in the forgiveness and covering that Christ gives to that person, to you. 
and all eyes focus upon the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. Have you ever felt that it was too shameful to share things in your life? Have you ever believed that there were things that have happened that if it got out, people would look at you differently? Do not fear people, but keep your eyes on the Lord. When you expose your weakness, when you expose your hurt, you expose it to Christ. And once He heals you, you can share that joy with all the people who are around you. Third, we know that our hearts are longing for Jesus himself. When we come to the point when we realize that anything that we have in this world is meaningless without Christ himself. That we were able to sacrifice all for him. This woman not only sort of was sacrificing more of her reputation, could you imagine if Jesus rebuffed her? But also, this woman showed love to Christ. Breaking the alabaster jar, which probably took at least a year or more of her wages, which she probably used for her trade. And used it all for, for Christ himself. to show her love and adoration to the one who can heal her and help her. To the one that she realized could forgive sins. To the only audience that really mattered to her. This is the joy, this is the focus that the Lord gives to his people that overwhelms us. We remember the story of, of David himself. And we remember the story when David committed adultery. When David had basically his, his people killed. When all the kingdom of Israel knew that he was an adulterer and murderer. And yet in Psalm 51 again, the only thing he said, only audience that he cares about is God himself. God, forgive me. You and you alone have I sinned against. You and you alone need to restore me. My shame, let it be. But you and me, Lord, this is of paramount to my heart. And so for us, we need to be careful 
first of all, is not to simply expose our weaknesses and expose our, our, our hardships and expose ourselves just to expose it. We're not here to play what uh, my college students back in the day used to call misery poker. We're not here to say, I had this hard life. And the next person says, my life was harder. And the next person says, my life is miserable. My life is more miserable. We're not to delight in our shame. Number two. In our shame, we are to turn to Jesus and Jesus alone. And we are allowed to let other people watch us to go to Jesus. And thirdly, whatever the world may say, even the church, about our repentance towards the Lord, it's okay. Even if there are some people who don't understand it, it's okay. Because Christ loves me. And I love him. It is this type of love, is this type of understanding that this woman has. And I want all of you to know <coughs> that God is here to cover all of your shame. That God is here to cover all of your faults. That God is here to cover anything that you think you're embarrassed of. God does it for you. Don't worry about the people around you. Don't worry about where people are in their faith walk here in this church. You as individuals, you must go to God. And you know what God does? If this church is his church, and I believe it is, God will raise up people around you and say, Amen, brother. Amen, sister. Let us turn to God and God alone to cover us. This past Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, <coughs> we had a pastor's retreat. So Korean-American, Asian-American pastors from um, Georgia and Florida, basically. About 12 of us gathered together. And you might think, wow, these, they're pastors. They, they know everything. And we, we know nothing. That's a secret. We know nothing. But we took time to, pr- we took time to sort of share and so as we went around sharing, people were just revealing their fears, their past failures. People were sharing about family. Everything came out. And people who never cried before started crying, and I got kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Now, we could have ended it there and just said, okay, we shared. Let's pray for two. We shared for about an hour. Okay, let's pray for two minutes. Okay, let's pray for two minutes. Person to your left, person to your right. Let's pray. Okay, one voice. It's over. And then let's go play foosball. 
But that's not the way we're supposed to do it, is it? We're dangerously close in doing error number one, just sort of sharing for the sake of sharing. But what do we do? We spent another hour just praying. And I said, okay, you prayed for one another. Go, no, we didn't pray for one another for that hour. So what did you do? We talked to God. For an hour, we just told God how much we love him. We told God how much we're thankful for him. We told God how we were sinners, that we needed his forgiveness. And we just talked with him. We spent as much time talking about ourselves as we did talking to God. And then thirdly, we spent about 15 minutes, no more than 15 minutes, broke up into groups of three and just prayed for one another. Why? Because surely God already knows. We're not here to try to find solutions for one another. We're here just to worship God in the midst of our shame, in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our hurts and our trials. This woman, when he came to Jesus, did she say anything? Did she say anything? Did she go to Jesus and say, Jesus, do you have about 20 minutes of, of your have about 20 minutes of your time? I'll buy you some coffee. Uh, let me share with you my life story. Let me share with you the, the pain I'm going through. Did, did this woman look to, to Jesus as simply a counselor? This woman spoke not a single word, but simply went on her knees and loved him. What better way to say, save me, O Lord, than just to love him? What better way to say, save me, O Lord, than to forget the world around you for a moment and look at your Savior face to face. This is what she did. And that door is open for all of us. Now there is danger, is there not? I mean, we, we see this is juxtaposed to the Pharisees. The ones who invited Jesus to their home. Let's have lunch together, Jesus. The one who simply wanted to talk with Jesus about religious things. And Jesus tells the parable. Two people are in debt. 
One owes more than the other. Both are forgiven. Who will love more? And they rightfully asked, answered, it's the one who owed more money. And Jesus says, you're right. Now, yes, perhaps the Pharisees did not understand how much sin and shame they had that they needed Christ. But the woman did. Perhaps we're that person in the audience and we get uncomfortable, like I got uncomfortable when I hear people sharing sometimes. But then when I hear someone share, when we hear someone share, right? And they're asking the Lord for help. Where are our hearts? Our hearts aren't aren't with judgment. They should not be. But our hearts should be, can I get on my knees with you to Jesus and pray? I need saving too. And together we let the Lord, Lord's presence and love, minister to us. Lastly, in the story, I I love this story because um, there's that mix between shame and guilt that's here. Now, I said before, one of, the, one of the things that is dangerous in our society today, and even in our church today, is that we simply want to have somewhere to vent, somewhere to confess. And that, that's sort of enough for us to sort of feel redeemed. And there's a tendency, too, for us to go to Jesus and just vent. And perhaps just venting to Jesus will make me feel good. But here's the problem. When you vent to Jesus without understanding who Jesus is and what he has to offer and what terms Jesus has to bring you answers and healing, then you start to dictate the terms to Jesus. And then you start to get disappointed in Jesus. And before long, you stop coming to Jesus. My heart breaks. There's this Facebook post, and you know my Facebook feed is usually the same three people over and over again. But uh, um, there's these pastors in in D.C. who just post so much on Facebook, and that, that's all I get most of the time. But uh, there's this one post by this 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 uh, student. I, don't, I can't say student anymore. This this man who uh, who I knew um, maybe about 15 years ago. I met him. And his post was about, you know, a good like 300 words long. That's, that's a long post. And he was talking about his suffering. He was talking about how difficult life was. And his question to God was, God, when are you going to answer me? God, where are you? 
God, why do I have to keep going through this? And I remember meeting him you know, about 15 years ago, and I remember um, just hearing his story and, and his prayers for it. And part of me is like, I, is it the same thing? It could be. It most likely is. My heart went out to him. I sent him a, a, a message, a DM, direct message. I haven't heard from him. sometimes we go to Jesus and we forget that he's not simply there to cover up our shame. He's not there to sort of retroactively go back. I mean, he's there to cover up our shame, but he's not there to retroactively sort of erase your history and give you a new history. And Jesus is there to say the root of your shame the root of why you feel lost, the root of why your past, instead of being this glorious thing that God has orchestrated to to bring you to him today, the reason why your past is so much a part of who you are is because you don't trust me. And Jesus says, you need forgiveness in your life. You need a new heart that knows me. You need a new heart that trusts me. You need a new heart that will follow me. And that's what the Lord gives to us. Imagine someone's coming to you and say, let me share with you my past. So, I don't know. Um, my parents lived such and such a way, had a difficult childhood, um, abused this and that, blah, 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 blah. And, and, you're, and you know, they're talking to you, and all of a sudden you say to them, your sins are forgiven. What's the worst counseling there is? It seems like a non sequitur to us. It doesn't make sense. But to this woman and to us who believe, it makes total sense. Because it's not simply the shame of what's going on that is, that is troublesome to us. It's the fact that we're no longer connected to God who can make sense of all of that shame. God is the only one who can make sense of our brokenness. God is the only one who can use our brokenness. God is the only one who can, in his timing, bring justice to all the injustices that have happened to us. And that is why we need him. And that is why God is here for all of us. And so when we say, Save me, O oh Lord. We're not asking God, God, give me a new history, give me a new profile. We're asking God, God, in your sovereignty, the life that you've given me, I need you. Please, restore my relationship with you. Because you're the only one 
can make sense of all of this. A long time ago, it's my final story. I went to this place called Labrie Fellowship <coughs> up in Boston, right outside of Boston. And Labrie Fellowship is this Christian organization. Uh, it's founded by Francis Schaeffer. If you know the name, great. If you don't, it's okay. But it's one of those places where um, students would go or adults would go, and you'd go, and there was teachers there. And the teachers would ask you simply, what do you want to learn? And so you could go and ask about anything. You say, you know what? I want to know the difference between um, Christianity and Judaism. Okay? Or I want to learn about the women's role in, in the church. Okay? I want to learn about denominational issues. Why, why are so many denominations? Okay? I want to know if I'm really a Christian. Okay? And then the teacher there would give you uh, back then cassette tapes to listen to and little books to read. And so you spend as much time as you want just studying and just reflecting. And I met this one couple who was there. And they really touched my heart a lot, even to this day. Um, they were there for about two weeks, and then myself and my students, um, I was a campus staff minister then, well, we came uh, for a, a retreat. And this couple shared with us that they had lost their child two years ago. I was like, wow, that's heavy. I'm like, probably like 23, 24 years old, and that just doesn't register to me when I was that, that age. That doesn't register to me. Um, yeah, we lost our child two years ago. And we're still trying to figure out what God is doing. The Pharisee in me wanted to say, trust in God. <laughs> trust in God and, and move forward. Right? It's got to be that easy. But I was wise enough to be scared to say anything, so I didn't say anything. But just listen. And what I heard was a story or a journey of two people whose loss, heaviness of heart, that they were directing their eyes to God and asking God, we're lost. What does it mean to be healed in this God? And whoa, the conversation was heavy. Where is my heart in terms, where are our hearts that we're talking about in terms of are we trusting God or not? It was heavy. Sort of the shame they were feeling. Because all of a sudden, whenever people looked around at them, they were known as simply what? The couple who lost their child. But they looked to Christ. 
They were going the proper path. I don't know where that couple is now. But they did share one thing with me. One other thing. They said simply, even in the midst of the shame and destruction, if we did not have Christ in our lives, none of this would make sense. None of this could be redeemed. None of this, or all of this, and therefore all of life, would be rendered meaningless. Brothers and sisters, God loves you so, so much. There's nothing in your hearts that he doesn't already know. There's nothing, right? We do ourselves a disservice by holding everything in. For those of you who are members here, if you have your triads, meet with one another, share, share well, and share before the Lord, not simply to one another. In your community groups, do the same thing. Don't just share about share, but go before the Lord and share before the Lord. Let the Lord rejoice greatly in our nakedness. Let the Lord be there and rule over us. And may all of us together, like I said in the beginning, continue to sing songs to God. I like to think that he who has been forgiven much sings the loudest. For the joy of the Lord has been set before all of us. Let's pray.